Welcome to our 141st podcast and the 111th as a city on a hill church. This week we celebrate one of the most wonderful and miraculous days on the Christian calendar, the birth of Christ, Christmas. It's no secret this day we commemorate isn't really the day Christ was born. But what day was it? And are there clues in scripture and in recorded history that give us a glimpse into when that date really was? That day our Savior truly did come to earth to begin his ministry of reconciliation. To explore these clues, here is Pastor Michael Clark. Okay, if you'd like to open your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2 as we look at the birth, the record of the birth of Jesus Christ. And I've entitled this message, it's actually a question, when was Jesus born? When was Jesus born? And, I, and of course, we don't, I can't say definitively uh, the day that Jesus was born, uh, but I, I think we can come to a pretty good understanding of, of the time that Jesus was born generally, and maybe even fairly specifically the month uh, uh, of when Jesus was born, and perhaps close to the day when he was born. Um, and it's not December 25th. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. Now it came about in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all were proceeding to register for the census, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the family of David in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. And it came about that while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. Verse 10, And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you, You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And it came about when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in haste and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. 
And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as it had been told them. Now, Jesus came and fulfilled numerous Old Testament prophecies. As a matter of fact, much of his life and ministry, including his birth, was prophesied in the Old Testament. And Jesus came in fulfillment of all of these Old Testament prophecies, exactly to the date, the time, the month, the year. Everything came in God's plan that was prophesied in the Old Testament concerning the life and ministry and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus' birth was predicted in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2 that he would be born in Bethlehem. And so we see here that the Messiah predicted and prophesied hundreds of years earlier to be born in Bethlehem, Micah 5.2, that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Uh, We're told in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14 that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, would be born of a virgin. So there was a virgin. She was pregnant, never been with a man before. That was a major sign that this is a special child. This is the Messiah. Mary was a young girl, probably no more than 15, 16 years old. She was a virgin. She was engaged to be married to Joseph. They hadn't been married yet. The marriage was not consummated yet. Uh, And yet she was bearing a son and about to deliver a child. This was in fulfillment of the prophecy in Isaiah 7, 14. Also in Isaiah 14, we're told that this child would be called as a title, uh, God is with us or Emmanuel. His name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. And so speaking of the nature and the character of the Messiah who was to come, the one who would be born of the virgin, that he would actually be God in the flesh. He would be God who is with us. Um, Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 talks about the prophecy of him uh, being uh, the child that is born and the son that is given. Isaiah 9, 6, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, the Prince of Peace. And there will be no end to the increase of his government or of his peace and on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore. And so we know that he was going to be a child. He was going to be a male child, the Messiah, when he came. These are predictions made seven. These are 700 years before Christ. Isaiah was was ministering. Uh, and, and all of these are indications of the one who is to come. And then when Jesus did come, he fulfilled all of these prophecies. He was a child and he was who was born. He was also a son who was given by God. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So Jesus came in fulfillment of one prophecy after another after another. In Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 1, This also is speaking of the Messiah. Arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness the peoples, but the Lord will rise upon you 
and His glory will appear upon you, and nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. And so Jesus was a light in the darkness. He came into a dark world, and Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And so this is also a prophecy concerning Jesus. It's interesting, if you read a few verses further in this, you read about uh, the wise men coming uh, with golden frankincense. In verse 6 of Isaiah 60, it says, A multitude of camels will cover you, the young camels of Midian and Ephath, and those from Sheba will come, and they will bring gold and frankincense and will bear good news of the praises of the Lord. Written hundreds of years before Christ. He's going to come. He's going to be a light to the world. Nations are going to come to him. Indeed, nations have come to Jesus. Kings are going to come to him. Kings all over the world have come to Jesus. And, and these men are going to come from different parts of the world, from the east, bringing gold and frankincense. And we know also myrrh. But this is predicted hundreds of years before Jesus was ever born. So could there be clues if we have all of these scriptures about all of these details of the birth of the Messiah, could there be a clue in the scriptures as to when he would be born? The timing, the season, if not the day, but certainly uh, would the Bible give us the season of when he would be born, the Messiah? Just for starters, verse 8 in Luke 2 tells us a clue here when it says, in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in their fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, if you go to the Weather Channel and you look up, which I did this morning actually, and you look up the weather for Jerusalem for December 25th, it's cold, it's raining, and it's windy. It's very similar, actually. Their weather in Jerusalem is very similar to Southern California. Uh, and uh, it gets cold in Jerusalem at night. Uh, as a matter of fact, this is their rainy season. This is their wet season. This is not their dry season. This is their wet season. Uh, this is uh, their coldest time of the year. It's the winter for them as well, as it is for us here. And so when we're told here, that there's shepherds who were out in the fields in the, in the dead of winter, in the end of December, in the cold rainy season, the lows go to about 40 degrees at night this time of year in Jerusalem. 42, I think, is the low predicted for this Christmas, for December 25th. 42 degrees is cold when it's raining outside to be out in the fields with your sheep. So this makes no sense if it was December 25th at all. And that's the way it is every December 25th, because these are the pattern, uh, the weather patterns of the cycle uh, of weather in, uh, in this part of the world. So it is improbable. Um, I, w I we can't say impossible, but it's certainly improbable and certainly very unlikely that this would have taken place on December 25th with shepherds being outdoors in their fields at night in the middle of winter, and then an angel appears to them to tell them about the Messiah that is being born. So that, that is our first indication that it's probably not any time in the middle of the winter that, that the Messiah was actually born. And December 20, uh, 25th is nowhere in the Bible. You could go through the whole New Testament. There's no date 
of December 25th in the Bible. That was a date, as we're going to see in a minute, uh, in a few minutes, that was a date that the church came up with hundreds and hundreds of years later uh, to celebrate as the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, the question is begged when you read that there were shepherds staying outside. We, we, we can pretty much be certain it wasn't at the end of December that this was happening. But why would the shepherds be out in their fields keeping watch over their flocks at night? Now, shepherds in, at that time of the world and, and at this time of the world, they usually bring their sheep into, to pens at night. They bring them into a safe surrounding where they, you know, get their sheep dogs to get them and bring them back or whatever. They whistle and, the sheep come back and they come into their sheepfold, into their pens, and they sleep at night. So they're warm, so they're safe, so the shepherd can keep an eye on them. And so they're not out there, you know, uh, running around in the dark and there's wolves and mountain lions and things like this. So it's even odd that at night, in the middle of the night, the shepherds would be out in the middle of the fields at night with their sheep. The uh, Jewish rabbis in their writings tell us that the only time of year that the shepherds would have been outside at night was when the female sheep, the ewes, were giving birth to their babies, to the lambs. And so they would be out with the, with the females, away from all the other sheep, in the fields, making them comfortable, uh, so that they could have their lambs. And the shepherds would be there to catch the lambs or to be able to take care of the lambs, make sure the lambs were healthy and the lambs were safe uh, when they were born. This was the only time that the shepherds would have been out with the sheep in the middle of the night out in the fields. Now, when do ewes or female sheep give birth? They give birth in the spring, almost exclusively. This is what it is today in the Holy Land. This is what it is around most of the world. Uh, in its natural setting, a sheep will give birth in the springtime, typically late February, March, or April. Uh, it has been suggested that Jesus could have been born on the Feast of Tabernacles. Again, the Feast of Tabernacles is in the fall. It's another rainy season for Israel. Uh, and the sheep do not give birth. Uh, during the fall in the rainy season in Israel, uh, in late September, early October, the Feast of Tabernacles. The reason that some Bible scholars believe that Jesus might have been born on the Feast of Tabernacles is because uh, the tabernacle is God tabernacling or dwelling with us. And so they think it'd be appropriate that if Jesus was born, he might have been born on the Feast of Tabernacles. One reason we know it couldn't have been on the Feast of Tabernacles, not only because the sheep uh, don't have their lambs in the fall, they have them in the spring, uh, is that Joseph was a religious Jewish man and the Jewish men had to be in Jerusalem on the Feast of Tabernacles. There was no exception. You couldn't say, well, my wife's having a baby, so I'm not going to be there for the feast day in Jerusalem, the high holy day of the Feast of Tabernacles. Joseph wouldn't have been with Mary in Bethlehem to have the baby. He clearly was with Mary when Mary had her baby. Uh, and if it was the Feast of Tabernacles, he would have been breaking the law. And Messiah's stepfather wouldn't have been breaking the law at Messiah's birth because everything God does is perfect. So it is, again, very unlikely that Jesus Christ was born um, in, the, in the late fall during the Feast of Tabernacles. It is interesting, and uh, Jonathan Kahn, who is a uh, 
very smart guy. He's a rabbi and he's a, he's a Christian pastor and a rabbi. He wrote uh, uh, The Harbinger about 9-11 and things. Really brilliant guy. And uh, he kind of got me thinking about all of this, actually. Um, but uh, he said that it, it is uh, in Israel uh, when the sheep are born in the spring that in Bethlehem, the sheep that are born in the in the spring in Bethlehem are the sheep that are were used for the Passover lamb to be sacrificed. So it would be entirely appropriate that the shepherds that it's announced to the shepherds that the Messiah has come. And I again, I'm not setting dates of when Jesus was born or being definitive because we don't really know. This is just kind of like a detective thing where you're kind of trying to look at clues and figure it out. Uh, use deductive reasoning, but the lambs that were born in the fields of Bethlehem almost exclusively were the lambs that were raised and used one year later for the Passover in Jerusalem to be sacrificed for uh, the blood offering in, in Jerusalem. And so it would be entirely appropriate and it would fit that Jesus Christ, who is the Lamb of God, whose blood takes away the sins of the world, who actually died on the Passover when all the Passover lambs were being slaughtered, that he would be born in Bethlehem with all the lambs that were being born in the fields and the shepherds were there to get the lambs that would be raised and taken a year later to be sacrificed to God on the Passover in Jerusalem. This is uh, the Hebrew month of Nisan. The Hebrew month of Nisan is where really it was the month of new beginnings for the nation of Israel. God called into existence a new beginning and a new calendar for the Jews. They had their uh, civil calendar or their secular calendar, which they still have today, where uh, they celebrate Rosh Hashanah in the fall as being the new year. To this day, they celebrate Rosh Hashanah in the fall as the Jewish new year. But God tells us in Exodus that the month of Nisan was actually the real new year for the Jews, that God was delivering them from Pharaoh, from Egypt, the bondage of Egypt. And that's when God, you know, uh, gave Moses the Ten Commandments and so forth in the law. And uh, the tabernacle was built and then God's presence dwelt in the tabernacle, the tent of meeting in the Jews. All of that began in a, in a month called Nisan, which was in the spring, Nisan one, in our calendar, it's a lunar, it's based on a lunar calendar, the, the 30 day month of, of the cycles of the moon, not the solar calendar, which is 365 and a quarter days based on the sun. This is based on the lunar calendar, which is 30 days a month times 12, a 360 day year based on the cycles of the moon. And so it's not the same every single year for us. That's why Easter is always a different day for us. It's not the same day on our calendar because it's based on this, actually, uh, this calendar. But the uh, the Passover and the Jewish festivals and so forth uh, were based on beginning a new year on the month of Nisan, Nisan 1. And Nisan 1, the first day of Nisan, the first day of the new year for God's people, is right around the first day of spring. As a matter of fact, some have deduced that uh, Jesus might have been born on March 20th or March 21st of that year, 4 BC, 5, 6 BC. I'll, I'll get into that in a minute. 
Um, again, nobody knows for sure exactly what date it was, but if it was around the first of Nisan, uh, when all of this took place, you're talking about the first days of spring, not the first days of winter. The first days of winter are the darkest days of the year. The first days of spring is when everything comes back to life and everything is reborn and it's a new beginning for nature and for the plant life and for the crops and everything else. And so uh, the month of Nisan uh, is when the feast days really began. And Jesus came and fulfilled all of these types and all of these shadows and all of these feasts in the Old Testament and these traditions from the Jews from the Old Testament were all pointing to the Messiah, to Jesus Christ, uh, who would come, who would be the Savior of the world. Now, in the month of Nisan, we have many major uh, events that take place. Specifically, uh, you have uh, the Feast of uh, Passover that takes place in the month of Nisan, on the 14th day of Nisan. Uh, you have the Passover, and that is a major holy day, was a major holy day, and is for the Jews. This was when they would take a Passover lamb, and they would uh, kill the lamb, and they would apply the blood on their doorposts and the lintels of their house, uh, and, and the angel of death passed over the firstborn of, Egypt, of uh, the Jews in Egypt, and then the angel of death killed the firstborn of the Egyptians, but the blood of the lamb protected the firstborn of the Jews. You can read about it in Exodus chapter 12, Exodus chapter 13, when God instituted the, the feast or the feast day of Passover. And that was Nisan, uh, the 14th day of Nisan. You have also the feast of unleavened bread that took place during that same week. This is an eight day period, the feast of unleavened bread. They were not to have any yeast or leaven for their bread for eight days. To this day, the Jews in Israel, when they celebrate Passover, they don't have any yeast in their homes. Uh, because yeast is a picture or a type of sin. And so they celebrate the festival or the feast of unleavened bread at the same time. Nisan 15 uh, through the 22nd, roughly seven or eight days there. Uh, Passover falls on the twilight or the nighttime of the 14th of Nisan. And then uh, all the way through the uh, sundown of the 15th of Nisan is Passover. Unleavened bread is seven days at that same time, kind of corresponding. And then you have the Feast of First Fruits, which is the Sunday after the Passover. And the First Fruits is where they would bring and lift up uh, the, the First Fruits to God, indicating that the winter is over, the spring has come, new, new life is coming. And the Jews celebrated the First Fruits on this day. On, in the month of Nisan, Nisan, two days after the Passover. The Passover would be on a Thursday or Friday, and uh, their days are different than ours. They start their day when the sun sets. We start our day at 12.01 a.m. They start their day when the sun sets. So the, like today uh, is uh, the 22nd. It would end for them at 5 o'clock. The 23rd would be at 5.30 today. They would already be on the next day because it's the evening, the morning, and the first day is the Genesis record of how God created everything in Genesis chapter 1. So the Jews, their days don't begin at 12.01 a.m. Their days begin when the sun sets. Then the new day uh, begins at night. And so all of these are, <clears throat> all of these are related to Jesus. I mean, all of these festivals and feast days 
pertain to Jesus, pointed to Jesus, relate to Jesus. As a matter of fact, if you turn back to Exodus chapter 12 in your Bible, and we read just the first six verses here of Exodus chapter 12, we see how God laid all of this out in great detail and how when Jesus came, he fulfilled all of these uh, prophecies. All of these feasts were shadows and types of Jesus Christ who was to come, pointing us to the Messiah. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 1, we read this. Now the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month shall be the beginning of months for you. It is to be the first month of the year to you. This again is the month of Nisan. This is where God created a new calendar for the Jews. Everything was going to be new for them as he brought them out of the bondage uh, of slavery of Egypt. Verse 3, he says, Speak to all the congregation in Israel, saying, On the tenth day of this month, they are each one to take a lamb for themselves according to their father's households a lamb for each household. Now, if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his neighbor nearest to his house are to take one according to the number of persons in them. According to what each man should eat, you are to divide the lamb. Verse 5, Your lamb shall be an unblemished male, one year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month, then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight. So this is the new, the new year for them. This is the beginning of months. Actually, Nisan means new beginning. The month of Nisan means newness or uh, everything's new or new beginning. Everything was new for the Jews on the first day of Nisan. It's a new year for you. And immediately what they were supposed to do is on the 10th of the month of Nisan, they were to take a lamb, a one-year-old lamb, very specific, a male uh, from the goats or from the sheep. And uh, they were to observe that lamb for five days from the 10th day of Nisan until the uh, 14th day of Nisan at sunset. And then they were to sacrifice the lamb and apply the blood. It's interesting when they applied the blood, to the uh, doorpost and the lentils of the house, they would have applied the blood on the top of, of, of the roof of the house or of the door of the house, the front door, and then on the left and the right side. And it's interesting, if you, if you back up and you kind of picture that, the blood would be what it looked like when Jesus was hanging on the cross. The blood of the, uh, of the top would be where his head had the crown of thorns and he was laying there with the blood coming out of his head on the top of the cross. He had the nails in his hands. And so you would have had blood uh, on the left and the right hand side where his hands were nailed to the cross. And then the blood would have dripped down from the lentil down onto the ground. And he had blood where it would have run down uh, to his feet. And he had the nail in his feet. And so as the angel of death passed through Egypt, the angel of death would see the blood of the cross, the picture of the blood of the cross, and would then pass over and would not kill the firstborn in the house of the Jews. The Egyptians, they did not put the blood of the lamb upon their doorposts or their lentils. They didn't have the sign of the cross there. And so the firstborn uh, was taken, was required. Uh, and, and so it, it all points to Jesus. Now it's interesting, on the 10th day, when they would select the lamb 
uh, they would take the lamb to the father's house and they would observe the lamb for five days, basically from the 10th to the 14th, to make sure that the, that the one-year-old lamb was perfect. In the prime of its life, it was perfect. It was without spot. It was without blemish. And, uh, and then they would, they would sacrifice it because they only give their best to God. What happened on the 10th day of Nisan in Jesus' ministry? His triumphal entry where Jesus rode in on the donkey and he came into Jerusalem to present himself. And they said, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they put down their, their palm leaves. At the very same time that Jesus would have been riding into Jerusalem on the donkey on the 10th day of Nisan, being presented as the Messiah to the Jews, all the Jews had come. It was required for every Jewish male to be in Jerusalem on the Passover. It was required for them to be there. It was one of the highest holy days of the year for the Jews. They had to be there. And the historian Josephus, the Jewish Roman historian, tells us that there were over a million lambs that were taken, purchased, and slaughtered on the Passover of the year that Jesus would have uh, ridden into Jerusalem on the donkey. So as Jesus was being presented as the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world, all the Jewish families were there buying their lambs, selecting their lambs, their one-year-old lambs, in accordance and obedience to Exodus chapter 12, so that they could take those lambs home to their father's house to observe them for five days to make sure they were without spot or blemish. They had to be perfect before they could sacrifice them to God on the Passover. Where did Jesus go on the 10th day of Nisan when he rode into Jerusalem? He went to his father's house. He went to the temple and he overturned the money changers' tables. And so as all the lambs went to the father's house, Jesus, the Lamb of God, went to the temple, to his father's house. Everything that Jesus did was in fulfillment of the scriptures. Everything in the scriptures was pointing to Jesus Christ. On the 14th day of Nisan, which would have been uh, Passover, uh, Jesus was doing what when the sun set? Having his Passover dinner. He was celebrating the Lord's table or the Last Supper where he took the bread and broke it. He took the, the, the grape juice of the wine and, and he said, take and drink, this is my blood. The blood of the new covenant being poured out for many for the remission of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. He took the bread and broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so at the Passover, as all the Jews were celebrating the Passover, eating the Passover lamb, celebrating the Passover, remembering God, sparing the firstborn in Egypt, Jesus was there with his disciples at the Last Supper. Remember that this also was the time of unleavened bread where you couldn't have any leaven or yeast in the houses or eat any bread that had risen with yeast at that time for the seven or eight days of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And this also is a picture of Jesus. Jesus is called the bread of life, which comes down from heaven. Jesus said, I am the bread of life, come down from heaven. Jesus is the unleavened bread. Paul the Apostle tells us this, that he is without sin. The unleavened bread was a picture of being without sin. Jesus, the bread of life, came to give life to all mankind, and he is without sin. So you have the lamb that is perfect without spot or blemish, picturing of Jesus. You have the unleavened bread, 
picturing Jesus. You have the lamb being presented on the 10th day of Nisan, picturing Jesus. You have the lamb going to the Father's house to be observed. Jesus went to his Father's house. So everything lines up perfectly according to the scriptures of of, of, uh, the prophecies and the traditions that Jesus came and he fulfilled. Now, when Jesus was going into the Garden of Gethsemane on that Thursday night, after he had had the Lord's table, after he had uh, spent that time with his disciples, after he'd washed his disciples' feet, he would have crossed over, and, and, and some of us have been to Israel, and we've been here, where you cross over uh, into the Garden of Gethsemane, or the oil press, and they have these great old uh, olive trees there in the Garden of Gethsemane. They have olive trees there that are 2,500 years old. Certainly olive trees there today that were there when Jesus was there. It's pretty mind-blowing. Huge olive trees. And uh, when Jesus would come down to go from Jerusalem where he had the Last Supper and cross over into Gethsemane outside the city of Jerusalem, he would have gone over the Kidron Ravine. And the Kidron Ravine is a natural little wadi or wash that only has water in it when it rains. And when the Jews would offer their sacrifices, when the priests would slaughter the animals, the goats, the sheep, the lambs, specifically the sheep here on Passover, and uh, every Jewish male had to have a lamb for his family, and you had all the Jews coming there from all over the world at this time, to celebrate Passover, each family had a lamb. Again, Josephus said there was over a million lambs uh, that were slaughtered this Passover. That Kidron Valley actually was a drain from the altar of the Jews in Jerusalem as they would slaughter the animals and bleed them out, the Passover lambs, one after another after another, this blood would run down these channels and come down into the Kidron Ravine and would flow like a creek or like a river on the Passover. It's recorded by the historians. And so as Jesus was going across the Kidron Ravine, he and his disciples would have been walking over the blood of all the lambs that were being slaughtered up on the hill in Jerusalem at the temple. And all of this was pointing to the blood of Jesus Christ as he would go and he would uh, tell the Father, not my will, but thy will be done. If there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. All of it was a picture and a shadow and a type of Jesus Christ who would come, who would be the Lamb of God that would be slaughtered, whose blood would take away the sins of the world. Not only was Jesus crucified or sacrificed as the Lamb of God on the Passover in fulfillment of the Scriptures, but He rises on the festival or the feast day of the first fruits. He's risen on the first fruits, uh, new life after the winter, lifted up to God on Easter Sunday. And so He comes in to be presented on the 10th day of Nisan, Palm Sunday. Uh, he celebrates Passover. He is crucified on Passover, the 14th day, 15th day of Nisan. And then he rises as the first fruits from the dead on the festival, the feast day of the Jews of the first fruits, which is that Sunday after 
the Passover. And, and again, it's the middle of uh, springtime, and so the first fruits, literally for the Jews, would be the first of their crops that they would get in. Would They would give it to God, the first, the best. They would give it to God. As the winter was now over, the springtime had come, and everything was beginning to come back to life. The feast day of Pentecost, 50 days after first fruits, the Jews uh, call it Shavuot, which is the feast of, of weeks, or the feast of uh, of 50, Pentecost, uh, this was the birthday of the church. Pentecost was the day that the Holy Spirit came down upon the church in the book of Acts, and the church was born. The birthday of the church is Pentecost, Shavuot. And so, you know, you, you have all of these, all of these festivals, all of these types, all of these shadows, all of these traditions in the Bible, in the Old Testament, that Jesus comes and he fulfills every single one of them. Every one of them finds their true fulfillment in Jesus Christ. So, is there any indication in the scriptures of when uh, the Messiah would be born? If you have all of these other parallels and you have all of these other uh, um, examples in the scriptures, uh, is there any indication uh, uh, in the scriptures in the Old Testament, of when Jesus would be born. Um, we know from, again, from the story in, in Luke, the record in Luke's Gospel, that, um, uh, that the shepherds were out there at night. They were watching over their flock. This would have been uh, at the time that the sheep would be born. As a matter of fact, in Exodus uh, chapter 12, we just read that the lambs were to be, that they would sacrifice, they were to be one year old lambs. Exodus chapter 12. You take a lamb and he's one year old lamb and you take him on the 10th of Nisan, you sacrifice him on the 14th day of Nisan. In order for that lamb to be one years old, what does that mean? It means he had to be born a year earlier at that same time of year. So the lamb that was being slaughtered at the Passover was born a year earlier, probably likely in the very same place that he was slaughtered, probably in Bethlehem. You know, later, of course, in Exodus, they were in Egypt. But as all of this was transitioned over to the traditions and the feast days of the Jews, uh, a one-year-old lamb would have been born one year earlier, which would have meant that if he was, if the lamb was killed on Passover, he was one year old, meaning he was born on the previous Passover. And so, of course, Jesus wasn't one year old. It, it's not, it, that's not the type here. The type is, is that the lambs that were slaughtered were born a year earlier at the same time. What time was that? That's the time of the Passover, which is the 14th day of Nisan, uh, which on our ca calendar is, is right around uh, the first couple of weeks of springtime. Certainly not in the dead of winter. Certainly not on December 25th. December 25th actually has nothing to do with any of uh, 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 that date. December 25th has nothing to do with any of the festivals or feast days uh, in the Old Testament. Now you have... Uh, uh, you have Hanukkah, which came much later. Hanukkah was not uh, that the Jews celebrated. It was not uh, a biblical feast day. You don't find Hanukkah uh, in the Old Testament. Um, but Hanukkah is the festival of lights, and it's around the time of Christmas. And so the, the Jews do have a celebration uh, that they do celebrate Hanukkah. Um, but uh, again, that is not uh, uh, in the Old Testament as a feast day that was uh, ordered by God through Moses, as these other ones uh, are. 
Now, Nisan 1, Nisan, the month of Nisan, was a new beginning for the Jews. Everything else was past. It was the past. It was old. They were enslaved for 400 years in Egypt. And God was saying, I'm going to make a new nation of you. I'm going to take you out of the slavery of Egypt. I'm going to take you to your own land, to the Holy Land, to the Promised Land. And uh, you're going to begin uh, to do all of these sacrifices and these celebrate these festivals and these feast days uh, as a memorial to what I did for you and saving you from from Egypt. And all of that began for them. Their new calendar, their religious ecclesiastical calendar began on Nisan 1, which again coincides right for us on our calendar sometime late March, early April, the beginning of springtime. And for the Jews, it, uh, Nisan means new beginning. As a matter of fact, if you look at the uh, traditions of the Jews, they think uh, the Jews believe that you know, Abraham was born, Adam was born on Nisan 1, they believe. Abraham was born on Nisan 1. Isaac was born on Nisan 1. Jacob was born on Nisan 1. Moses was born on Nisan 1. So, I mean, their tradition, they use the first day of Nisan as a very significant date in their traditions in Israel for the Jews because it is their religious uh, new calendar, new beginning for their nation. And of course, the spring is the new beginning for all life on planet Earth in our weather patterns, in our life cycles here in nature. So, how did we ever get December 25th? And you're going to be kind of surprised, I was actually surprised by this, of where uh, December 25th came from. Um, And I'm going to read this to you just briefly here. I found this online. The name Christmas comes from the Mass for Christ, Christ Mass, or uh, church service, Mass. Uh, Christmas comes from the Mass of Christ, or for Jesus. A Mass service, which is sometimes called Communion or Eucharist, is where Christians remember that Jesus died for us and then came back to life. The Christ Mass service was the only one that was allowed to take place after sunset and before sunrise the next day. So people had it at midnight. So we get the name Christ Mass shortened to Christmas. So that's where the name Christmas comes from, Christ Mass, the Mass of Christ. No one knows what the real birthday of Jesus is. No date is given in the Bible. So why do we celebrate it on the 25th of December? The early Christians certainly had many arguments as to when it should be celebrated. Also, the birth of Jesus probably didn't happen. We can almost be assured that the birth of Jesus did not happen in year one of our calendar, A.D. and B.C., Anno Domini. Uh, again, the ancient you know, scholars and theologians did the best they could with their ancient knowledge of calendars and dates and the cycles of the sun and the moon and so forth to determine... Uh, uh, when Jesus was born, but it was really, it was really actually a rough guesstimate that Jesus was born. And there is no zero AD or year zero. There's one AD on a calendar and there's one BC. So there's no zero on the calendar, uh, which goes to show you that they really weren't exactly sure when Jesus was born. We know that when Jesus was born, he changed the calendar. That is given and that's a fact, but we don't know exactly when he was born. We know that Herod, who was the Herod that killed all the baby boys in Bethlehem, recorded for us in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 2, King Herod, who killed all the baby boys that were two years and younger in Bethlehem. 
He died in 4 BC on our calendar. We know this without a shadow of a doubt. There's plenty of archaeological evidence and historical evidence that he died 4 BC. So Jesus was clearly born before 4 BC because Herod was alive when Jesus was born, obviously. So again, the date is a little bit wrong on our calendar. Jesus was probably born actually in 6 or 7 BC because Herod had all the two-year-olds and younger killed, indicating that Jesus was born two years earlier than when he ordered the slaughter of the innocents. And so, uh, uh, so we don't really know even on our calendar exactly what year Jesus was born, but it was probably sometime uh, uh, between 6 and 7 B.C. We read the first recorded date of Christmas being celebrated on December 25th was in 336 A.D., during the time of the Roman Emperor Constantine. But it was not an official Roman state festival at this time. There are many different traditions and theories as to why Christmas is celebrated on December 25th. Uh, a very early tradition said that the day when Mary was told that she would have a very special baby called the Annunciation was on March 25th. And it's still celebrated today on March 25th, the Annunciation, the announcement to Mary that, that she was going to carry the Messiah. Nine months after the 25th of March is the 25th of December. Now, do we know that it was March 25th that the Annunciation came, the angel Gabriel came? Of course we don't know that. Nobody knows that. It's not given to us in the Scriptures. It's something that they came up with, theologians and scholars, hundreds of years after the fact. The date of March 25th was chosen because people had calculated that that was the day on which Jesus had died, the 14th day of Nisan, which is Passover in the Jewish calendar, and they thought that Jesus was born and had died on the same day of the year. So that's really the reason that the church instituted, and it really wasn't celebrated by the church until the time of St. Augustine, Augustine of Hippo, uh, in the 5th century A.D. He's the first really Christian theologian that began to propagate the celebration of the birth of Christ and to make it into a festival or a feast day five, six hundred years after Christ was born. And uh, the reason they chose December 25th was not because of the winter solstice. Uh, it was not because of the, the pagan holidays of Saturnalia uh, or Dies Nati Solis Invicti or these other pagan holidays that were celebrated in Rome. That's not why December 25th was chosen by the early church fathers. The early church fathers wanted nothing to do with the Roman holidays that were for the pagans in reality. Uh, and, and this was after the Roman Empire was already over anyways in five, uh, 5th century uh, A.D., 6th century A.D. The Roman Empire had collapsed in the 4th century A.D. Uh, to, the, uh, to the Mongols and the Visigoths and so forth. And so uh, it was because they believed that Jesus was conceived on the same day that he was crucified. That's why the church decided to make Christmas. That's the only reason. December 25th is because they back up nine months to March 25th. They say the 14th day of Nisan is when Jesus was killed. And they believe that Jesus was conceived and killed on the same day. No record of that. No festival tying into that in the Old Testament. Uh, it's just it's just historical tradition that the church has celebrated now for 1,500 years or so. Actually, other churches celebrate uh, on different days. 
The Orthodox churches celebrate on the 6th or the 7th of January because they start with a different day on a different calendar and go back nine months. But again, the, the ancient church, they're tying it into his uh, death being the same day of his conception, which is, you know, which is, you know, a great concept, but there's no evidence for that at all, that he was conceived uh, on the same day that he was killed or that he was crucified. So do we have, you know, any other dates in the Old Testament where we would see possibly that it could correlate? If all of these other dates that we looked at from the Old Testament correlate with Jesus' life and ministry, is there any date that corresponds to his birth? And it is possible, it's very possible, that the date of the dedication of the tabernacle, the first place where God met with the nation of Israel and made a permanent uh, 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 dwelling place for the glory of God, the Shekinah glory, the Spirit of God to dwell among men was in the tabernacle that God commanded Moses to build. <clears throat> and we read of the dedication of the tabernacle in Exodus chapter 40, verses 1 and 2. When was the, when was the tabernacle dedicated? Where God tabernacled with men, where God came and dwelt among men and resided among men for the first time in all of history. <clears throat> it was on the first day of Nisan. <clears throat> Exodus 40 verse 1, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, on the first day of the first month, remember the first month is Nisan, the first day of the first month, you shall set up the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. You shall place the Ark of the Covenant there, the testimony, and you shall screen the Ark with a veil. You skip to verse uh, 17. It says, now it was on uh, the, the first month of the second year, on the first day of the month, that the tabernacle was erected. And then you see God's presence come and take up residence there. Uh, verse 34, after they set up the tabernacle, the cloud covered, the cloud, the presence of God, the glory of God, covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled, filled the tabernacle. And so I'm not saying I know this for sure. Nobody knows it for sure. But it is entirely possible uh, that Jesus was born on the first day of Nisan, which is when God tabernacled with man for the first time in history. Because when Jesus came... He was God tabernacling with man. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The, uh, that word dwelt could be translated tabernacled, took on flesh, tabernacled among us, came to live uh, with us. And so um, it, it, it most likely was sometime around early spring, guys, that Jesus was born. I think it's entirely appropriate that we celebrate his birth in December because we celebrate his crucifixion and resurrection uh, in the spring. And so to celebrate his birthday, which we're unsure of, uh, at the same time we're celebrating his uh, death and his resurrection, um, it would be too much to, to take in for us. And so I think it is appropriate that, uh, th that Jesus' birth is celebrated at a different time, even though it's most likely not accurate when we celebrate his birth today, December 25th. But it is appropriate that we celebrate it at a different time than his death, his crucifixion, his sacrifice for the sins of the world, his burial, and 
his resurrection. The other thing about Nisan is Nisan just basically means new beginning. All things are made new. And we know that when Jesus came, all things are made new. <clears throat> when Jesus comes into a, a person's life, all things are made new. The old has passed away, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Everything is made new when Jesus comes. And that's what the month of Nisan to the Jews meant. New beginnings. Everything's new. The old has passed away. Uh, the calendar is changed. For the Jews, their calendar was changed. They have a new calendar on the first of Nisan. When Jesus came and was born, uh, we have a new calendar. The whole calendar for the world changed uh, when Jesus was born. And so, uh, just just something to think about. Something for you to consider this Christmas. And uh, the, the, the main point of it all, guys, is that God gave us His only begotten Son whenever He was born. Maybe he was born on December 25th. Very unlikely. I guess there's, you know, one in 365 and a quarter chances that he was born uh, on, on the 25th of December. But very unlikely. Uh, but regardless of when he was born, it is important that we celebrate his birth because God gave us his best. He gave us his only begotten son uh, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And so I hope uh, I, I hope that you and your families uh, remember his birth and celebrate his birth because, you know, it's a new beginning for the world. It's a new beginning for everyone and everything is new. All things are made new. We walk now in newness of life. Every day uh, we walk in the newness of life of, in Christ because Jesus came into this world to be our Lord and Savior. God bless you all. I hope I didn't ruin December 25th for you. <laughs> Still remember that Jesus, it, it is interesting that December 25th is the day we celebrate it. Not only does it tie into uh, Hanukkah, that the Jews celebrate Hanukkah, the festival of lights, uh, but it, it's right after the darkest day of the year on planet Earth. So the darkest day of the year, the shortest day where the sun shines uh, for, the, for the least amount of time in the northern hemisphere is the winter solstice, which for us is December 20th. Yesterday it was December uh, 21st, the shortest day of the year which means it was the darkest day of the year. And Christmas always falls, no matter where the calendar is for the winter solstice, Christmas always falls right after the darkest day of the year. After the world is in darkness, God has sent light into the world to give us hope and to give us peace. God bless you. Merry Christmas. Thanks for coming. And uh, don't forget, we have our Christmas Eve service at 6. And if you'd like to go caroling with us today, uh, at three, come up and talk to myself or Florian and we'll uh, get you hooked up with that. God bless you. Merry Christmas. We all want to thank you for listening. If this message has blessed you, as we all pray that it has, send the link to this podcast to your friends. Working together, we can get Michael's teaching of the whole of God's inerrant word to all those who hunger to hear it. If you would like to see this ministry expand to reach even more of the broken and lost, if you have questions, comments, and prayer requests, email us at coahpodcast at gmail.com. We would be honored to pray for you, as we hope you are praying for us. Good day and God bless from City on a Hill Church to Hatchapi, California.